You can now hear Tech Actually on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly on your iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or WebOS device. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed, no memory wasted. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com. Dave, 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 the show's start. Dave, you're getting it. Uh, hi, welcome to uh, Tech Actually. Uh, dude, you do this far too well. Would you sit down and do it? I'm back, I'm back. All right. Well, you know, what's good for you is good for me. <laughs> All right. It's easier when I do it because I'm not on camera. This just doesn't work. All right. Welcome to Tech Actually, episode 103 for the 9th of October. 2010. I am David McVeigh, and I am joined in studio by our already wonderful introduction, Josh Philpott. How are I you, Josh? Am, I'm great, man. You see, I'm beating you to even asking me how I am. <laughs> and we are joined by the returning hero, yeah, Shane Gregory. How are you, Shane? Very well, thank you. It's been a while, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I know that we haven't discussed this beforehand, but uh, we do have to put a disclaimer up front, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, um, because uh, it is an issue um, because of the stories Ooh. that we talk about, which is your new employer. Okay? Yeah. Um, so we do have to state for the record yeah. that uh, Shane is now actually an employee of Apple. Yeah. So when we do Apple stories, we're yeah. going to recuse Shane. That's cool. From the stories, okay? Just because uh, we don't want to endanger any of your employment problems. So if there's ever an Apple story, I don't think we have any this week, but if we ever have an Apple story, we might have to just recuse you because of being an employee of the company. And at the same time, congratulations. And congratulations! (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so, yes. Yeah, now the serious shit's out of the way. Congratulations. Fantastic for your new job. Um, So, yes. So we just, as as full disclosure, we always have to give full disclosure at the beginning of these things. Um, And like, we we know that Josh also works at JB, but there's no problem there because it's a general retailer so it doesn't make any difference but yours is a very specific retailer so (laughs) so, um and if you know if i worked for microsoft or something we'd have to do the same thing which i don't but um no which i never will or if you know one of us another factor is if like we own stocks in a company we would have to disclose that before we Mm. talked about stories so we just have to make sure we just are very clear Uh, okay thank you for delta note as well thank you very much yeah there you go so yeah so uh we have an employee in the house all right all right <laughs> Welcome to Tech Actually. This is the official tech, po- tech podcast of geekactually.com. And we are back for another week of, of mind blowing tech. No, not really. <laughs> I just thought But we do have a lot of feedback. So I thought we'd do some feedback and some follow up on that feedback before we go any further. And the first feedback that we have is um, now this is actually not tech related, but it is related to the federal. Um, 
uh, election that we had recently. And uh, because uh, the person has, uh, this is from Matt, who's written to us before. Thank you, Matt. Um, uh, he just wanted to point out um, that during their, their caretaker time, if you remember during our show, we talked about the fact that during a caretaker government, they weren't allowed to make any decisions and they were just basically holding tight and the NBN stopped and all that sort of stuff. He just wanted to point out that um, uh, he listened to our episode, which was episode 98, where we were talking about this and uh, thought that it might surprise us to find out how much money Julia Gillard and her friends actually signed up for during the caretaker government part. Uh, Because it says that while we're all waiting uh, a decision who could be running the country in the wake of our little swing to the Greens in August, you may like to know that all government contracts worth over $10,000 are required by law to be published at www.tenders.gov.au. And and it says here that he dragged the report, and I actually saw his little graph. He put a link there. Uh, It says that in the 23 days that we were in caretaker mode, August 21st to September 14th, for the federal government, they managed to spend $2.2 billion in caretaker mode. (laughs) So I thought that, and it says here, that's a lot of money, even if none of it was for the NBN. (laughs) It's like, so uh, thank you, Matt. That is very interesting. I I actually had a look at that site. It's an intriguing site. Um, All right, so that was the non-tech one. We also have uh, feedback from Northy, uh, who is not in our chat room right now. Oh, Northy, there you are. Northy, you're right in time because we're just about to do your feedback. Uh, I have to refresh the user list. That's why. There we go. Now, Northy writes to him and says, Hi, Dave. Um, uh, and I'm assuming he means the rest of you, too. He says, Not sure if you've mentioned this one on the show before, as I know the subject of killer robots comes up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> With us? <laughs> no, we don't talk about killer yeah, robots yeah, that do. much. Uh-huh. Yeah, we don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, the other day while browsing, he came across info on the iCub um, that interested him. Uh, the program's official site, if you want to go there, and this, this will be in the show notes, is www.robotcub.org. Uh, it seems like fairly innocent research until you look at the learning capabilities this robot has. And I've got the video here. We're going to play this video while we talk. Um, basically, in this video, they're teaching it archery. Uh, which I thought was kind of cute, until you start to think about it and says, um, if you look at the YouTube link, and this is the, from the YouTube, now this is highly abridged, I've cut a, a chunk of stuff out of the middle of it. Um, it says, the show it shows the robot firing an arrow at a target, missing terribly. Fairly quickly, it learns how it must adjust its shot to hit the target perfectly. Uh, regards, Northy. And if you watch this video, it says this is rollout uh, yeah, half. He just missed then. He missed it, and he's looking at it, and then it says rollout two out of two, and he has another shot at it here. And uh, I do suggest you go have a look at this YouTube video. And he misses it again, but he's learning, and it's a little higher this time. And this is rollout two out of two, and it goes on. This is the uh, reproducibility test, and it shows the actual uh, arc of the shot where he's firing it. Now, learning to aim at the target, he takes re-aim. Takes another shot, and this is rollout one. There's eight rollouts in all. Eight or nine. I can't remember now. But And this is rollout eight. And you can see over the course of eight rollouts, he hits the bullseye by the time he gets the eight. And it's learned. He can reproduce that shot every time after he wow. does it. And so you sit there and look at it and go, that's kind of spooky yeah. because we're talking about learning robots again. Yes, Shane. talking about robots that are learning <laughs> how to have pinpoint accuracy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what could possibly go what wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Shane, you had something to add? Uh, I could just imagine what's next on the list. I mean, besides arrows, we've got firearms. And oh, got exactly. And but like, you oh, know what? Yeah. The, the, the motor dexterity skill of firing a bow and arrow mm. actually makes it even more dangerous because yeah. it shows how precise mm. this is getting. Firing a gun is easy. 
Yeah. You know, because you got to consider that the robot doesn't have to deal with the one thing that we really have to deal with, which is kickback. The robot's not going to be worried yeah. about how it feels against yeah. his shoulder or anything yeah. like that. So firing a gun for a robot theoretically would be easy. Mm. Yeah. Doing something that's fine yeah. skills like that, that's spooky. You know, yeah, that's, 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 that's just one step <clears throat> past where I'm willing to go. And continuing with the robot apocalypse, our next email comes from uh, Delta Knight, who is in our chat room. Thank you, Delta. Now, Delta has actually given us four links, and I liked all these links so much. They're the first four stories of the day, Um, and we're just going to roll these through. But first, I will say, it says, hi, fellow geeks. I found a couple of interesting links that might be good for tech, actually, on Saturday, which I should be able to watch this weekend because you weren't here last weekend. Were you satisfied with the uh, grand final, by the way, Delta Knight? I know that's why you didn't watch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It says, uh, first, is this a little Skynet-ish? Okay, and here is is the video that was sent to us. Um, Once again, no sound, but uh, we talk about learning robots. We talk about robots that can be armed and can do protecting duty. Well, I think this thing that 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 Delta Knight has sent us is one step closer to the hunter-seekers from Skynet. Now, what you're seeing for the audio listeners is a robotic drone. It's basically a tank that is nobody in, on board that protects missile silos. And these things just roam around. Yeah. Yay! That's <laughs> <laughs> so here it is roaming around with its with its armament and its and its weaponry, and it's uh, it's out there to protect and uh, protect and serve. The robots. (laughs) 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 Protect its masters, or at least its masters until it figures out that we're the problem. Absolutely. I think, you know, as far as the robot apocalypse is concerned, I think we've already lost. Mm -hmm. I think we are way behind the power curve on this one. All right, so that's that's the uh, robot drone. You, you notice how there's no humans walking out there either? Well, I wouldn't want to be walking around. No, I, I would just like to test to see if it would actually run over somebody. Yeah, what we need to do is put some of those, those little robot drones, yeah. <laughs> the target yes, practice ones. The, the little black ones, the yeah. boxes that make squeaky noises, are those the ones you mean? No, 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 I was thinking about the ones we showed on the show. You know, oh, the, right, the ones yeah. that wore baseball hats. And Can we also have the snake <laughs> ones walking around in the grass? Yeah, all the snakes, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. And it should all be controlled by the uh, DARPA PAL system that learns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, apparently, these are used. Damn, by- I'm scared. <laughs> apparently, these drones are fully automated robots that guard the Nevada National Security Site, uh, which uh, the military exploded over a thousand nukes uh, in their time. Um, I guess you wouldn't want to put real people out there, would you? No. Uh, robotic sentinels are completely autonomous, capable of identifying human intruders as well as detecting broken points in the site's perimeter. In fact, these diesel-powered centaurs uh, can operate for a maximum of 16 hours, which gives them plenty of capacity to, uh, to patrol the most extreme corners of the 2,200-kilometer facility. All right. Next. <laughs> Uh, also from Delta Knight from his email, uh, he said, uh, second link is a great advancement in technology. Now, he won me over because he actually said, think Captain Picard's heart. Uh, but then think, uh, but then I think he was stupid to take on three narcissists. <laughs> but yes, he was. But yes, no, think Captain Picard's artificial heart and say that the, a boy has, is the first human uh, to get a permanent robot heart. Um, Permanent robot. Heart. Yeah, it says here, a 15-year-old Italian boy uh, with, now I don't know how to pronounce this, Duchenne syndrome, I think it is, became the first person to receive a permanent artificial heart. The illness was wasting his muscles away and prevented him from receiving a heart transplant, causing doctors in Rome <coughs> excuse me, to insert the 4-centimeter-long electrically activated hydraulic pump heart in his left ventricle. Uh, a plug behind... Now, this is the part where it gets freaky. Now, this is the part that I think is actually more Star Trek than before. Listen to this description and tell me if you don't think Borg. Okay? 
It says here, a plug behind his left ear and a battery attached to his belt powers the heart. <laughs> so, now, you tell me that just doesn't sound like Borg. Um, uh, we're going to start walking around with like tubes and wires protruding out of every part of our body. Uh, now, it says here that the, uh, it, this heart will give him another 25, 20 to 25 years of life. And if you compare the unnamed boy's 90-gram heart with the first ever artificial heart from 1969. Now, I'm going to show a picture. I don't have it on the board. This was an artificial heart in 1969. You can see it's a big, wonking, great, horrible thing. Um, I don't know if I can show the people at home. There you go. Big, horrible thing. Um, but anyway, so this is just a little tiny thing. Anyway, I thought that was very interesting, and that's from uh, The Telegraph. Um, so thank you very much for that, Delta Knight. We've got two more. Two more. Delta Knight's been busy. He's been... He's been um, by the way, these are all these articles come from Gizmodo, and the links will be on the show notes. Um, I think, uh, Delta, you need to spend less time in Gizmodo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, third link is yet another failure. Okay, we're going to recuse. <laughs> we're going to recuse Shane here for a second. Uh, another link for Apple to be flexible. This is actually not at retail level, so it doesn't really matter. But this was actually interesting, and I was going to put this in the show notes anyway, so I'm glad he actually brought this up. But apparently, according to um, uh, Gizmodo in this article, and I got this from, um, it was also in the Sydney Morning Herald, Adidas, or Adidas, depending on where you're from, has dumped a $10 million ad campaign away from iAds um, because they didn't like the fact that uh, they had to approve their ads first. Steve Jobs is such a control freak that apparently every ad has to be approved and has to go through this long ass approval process wow. and it has to be perfect and all this sort of stuff. And there are rumors that uh, other companies are actually kind of jumping ship along with them. Um, so, yeah, I think they need to get a grip. It is an ad. Yeah. And it's advertising their product, not Apple's product. Therefore, it's up to them how they want to advertise. I think that is. Uh, I think you cannot control another company's uh, another company's uh, um, image. Especially, yeah, no, especially the fact that um, it's a big company like um, mm, mm. Adidas or Adidas. Or yeah, I say Adidas, but I know a lot of Americans say Adidas. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, all right. And last but not link from Delta Knight. So thank you very much once again, Delta Knight, in our chat room. Uh, fourth link. Uh, he says. It just goes to show that Australia is at the front of technology yet again on top of the tractor beam. If you remember, we talked about the tractor beam a couple weeks ago, uh, created in Canberra. Uh, we now have this. And I have a picture of this one. Um, this is a heavy hauler. Um, now, what I thought was really interesting about this whole link was, for me, uh, the most interesting part of this was that it's a really, really high-tech Device, a really high-tech uh, idea, really low-tech implementation. Uh, this is a um, hauler uh, transport uh, that can carry uh, 150 tons of stuff and move it around the world. Um, it's a blimp. Basically, it's a balloon. And uh, it, uh, they're saying that it will go into effect, but it goes over 2,000 kilometers in distance. Um, and uh, it's pretty neat. It's called the Skylifter. And they're, ha they're planning to have these airborne within the next three years. And it's also very green, if you think about it. Wow, yeah, no, for sure. That's so, really cool. Uh, so that's kind of neat. So it's a, it's a low-tech answer to a high-tech problem. So I like that a lot. And I thought that was really, really – it's an eco-friendly, blimp-like device. Um, and, yeah, I think it's really cool. So, solar power? I'm assuming that's what the panels on the top yeah. of the, yeah, the, yeah, the no, blimp are. That's what it looks like. Mm. Yeah. And it looks like it goes awfully high. 
<laughs> Judging by that picture I was showing, um, it's, which is a mock-up, it looks like they're planning it. It looks like it's almost sub, suborbital. So we're talking about weather balloon type height. Awesome. So it's pretty neat. All right. Thank, thank you very much, Dalton. I keep those emails coming in. Um, he does what does he say here? He says, I'm currently up to episode 15 of my mission to listen to every episode of Geek. Actually, uh, Mirren and Jacob are so funny, and I can't believe the heated discussions those two got into. And when you had to pull them back to the topic, <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> um, uh, but of course, everyone, both present and past on the show, are all really funny, and you all make the show fun to listen to. Also, I have a recent, I've recently brought, uh, I think you mean bought. I recently brought Sirius Sam HD. I think it's bought um, HD on Steam, and it's just as much fun as I remember. Have you guys yeah. played Sirius Sam Hell lately? Yes. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. And he, he ends it with, I love this, Geek On. <laughs> geek On. Geek On. All right, cool. All right, so where's my show notes? Here they are. Okay, so that's our feedback. That's our follow-up. Oh, no, that's not. There was one more. What was it? No, 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 that's right. It was... Um, it was... Um, Film actually that I forgot that last minute. Thing. Yeah, so right. that's okay. That's all right. <clears throat> now this week's news that I rounded up. Thank you very much for those first four stories. This week, and this was the preview picture that I threw up really quickly in the pre-show that Josh missed. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I bring up this old school Halo picture is it's back in the news again. Looks like Spielberg now wants the film rights, so wow, it's back maybe on. He actually played Reach. Well, no, because apparently what he said is, forget the game. He wants to make films out of the novelizations. He wants to go into the expanded universe. He says, no video game movies are working. Video games Mm -hmm. don't seem to translate. But it's interesting because um, in a review that I um, have just finished and will be up on Geek Actually very soon, one of my major things is that I think the only films that have come close to working in video game in video game history for the crossover have always been the ones that take the concepts from the game, maybe characters, maybe, you know... Sort and of then do something else. And then take it your own direction. Those are the only ones that have even come close to working. And funnily enough, have you noticed that there seems to be, and now I don't think it's all of them, but it seems to be a predominance of horror as well. Yes. Horror seems to work. Mm-hmm. None of the other ones do, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's an interesting horror thing. Horror is the sort of thing you don't take ridiculously serious to start with. True, true. I mean, the the Reach game itself uh, has the best story out of all of the Halo. And it's the most cinematic. And most of the story is derived Mm. from the novel anyway. Mm. Cool. So I'm I'm curious about this. Uh, And I think if Spielberg gets behind it, it probably will get made because he has such clout. So um, although Peter Jackson was behind it before and couldn't get it. So, um, but apparently Microsoft is very, very interested in getting a Halo movie made again. They had cooled on the idea, but they are very interested in this. And Spielberg thinks he's nailed it. He thinks he's got the idea. I don't think he wants to direct it. I think he just wants to produce it. But um, I think he feels confident that they actually have an idea now that they could actually do it. And he says that the answer is in the novels because they're stories. They're written. Um, Okay, so that's that. Now, um, this one is the interesting one. Excuse me for a minute. This is the most interesting story I think I've read uh, this week. We all know that the companies have been in a buying spree, right? Companies all over the place have been buying up other companies, right? Microsoft hasn't bought or purchased a new company since 2007. They've been kind of sitting very stagnant, not doing anything. Well, 
They are now apparently eyeing a company for purchase. They are, and <laughs> I gotta say, there's a couple reasons why I think this is so interesting. We're gonna open this up to debate, and we'll open this up to the chat room too to see if anybody else has any ideas. And Brad from the movie Fan House has just entered the house. Hello, Brad. How are you? Um, now, why I think this is interesting is because uh, Steve Ballmer has been hinting, basically. Uh, he's not publicly ready to make comment on it, which is always a sign that things are happening. Uh, what are you looking over your shoulder? I just realized when I was walking past that my uh, subtle exit to go get Cross my camera? Yeah. Cross the camera. <laughs> Don't cross the beams, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Man, but, shout out to Brad for getting to the front page of iTunes. Yay, new noteworthy. <laughs> Woo! Uh, <laughs> all right um Take that, how's that for a plug there, there you go <laughs> now you find that at moviefanhouse.com uh, right. and uh, uh but apparently the hints are that microsoft is eyeing are you ready for this adobe this is not some small company this is like looking at the big guns yeah. so now the first reaction to this was that are they buying it to get that flash factor are they buying it to take control of Flash, basically? But this is where it gets interesting, and this is where I want to open it for debate. Mm. Windows Phone 7, I'll flip the camera over to Joss's reaction, Windows Phone 7 doesn't have Flash. So why would you buy it? Why would you buy it? It's like, that was my first reaction was, okay, they want to take control of Flash. But they're not supporting Flash. Yeah. So Maybe they want to liquidate it. Oh, wouldn't that be so good? That would be so Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> um, they so, just fucking kill Flash in a day. How awesome would that oh, be? Oh, man. And just say you know HTML5, turn, that's it. Done. Yeah, I'd turn back to, uh, to, to Microsoft just for that one move. It's just they killed the one problem with the internet. Northey's rolling on the floor laughing and Delta Knight says, Kill Flash! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think it's a, a fascinating move. And I don't know if they're going to do it. Microsoft has the money. There's no doubt that they're a much bigger company than Adobe. They could buy it in pocket pocket change. But um, I, it's very interesting. And I don't know why – I don't know how this story came to be because Microsoft is not making any official announcements on this. Yeah. Somebody got wind of this and said that the uh, – uh, that this this is a possibility. And now, now, now we've got some money monetary values here. Let's have a look. Um, it says the Adobe acquisition would be a huge one for Microsoft, whose last big purchase was in 2007, as I said, when they bought a Quantive, and they spent $6 billion on that. Uh, the proposed deal to buy Yahoo the following year fell apart when Microsoft withdrew its $47.5 billion bid. Excuse me, I'm a bit congested today, so you have to excuse me. Now, Adobe's market cap at this point is close to $15 billion. Wow. So it's not that expensive when you think about it. It's only double the price of the last company they bought, and it is less than half of what they were willing to pay for Yahoo Mm -hmm. at the time. So they've obviously got the money for this. Um, I think it's a very, very interesting move. Um, Adobe, by the way, had a revenue last year of $3 billion last year. So they may not want to liquidate the products mm-hmm. um, because it is, a, it is a cash cow. It is going to make money. Um, and Adobe ended up in the stocks in the last fiscal year by uh, $28.69, 12% up, $28.69 a share. Um, and that's six times their average. Mm-hmm. So they're a good company and they are surviving. It's not like they're being ripe for hostile takeover here. This is this is uh, this is a true hostile takeover. Yeah. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, uh, I'm thinking 
in other means besides Flash? Like, what if Microsoft actually bought it and wanted to integrate uh, the other software like Photoshop oh, or After Effects into an OS? That's a very good idea. Yeah, because you've got to think, they've got their essentials out at the moment. So what if yeah. they were to inter- what if they were to replace, uh, what is it, Microsoft Picture It or whatever it's yeah. called, they replace that yeah. with Photoshop Elements. Yeah. They replace uh, Movie Maker with Premiere Elements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they can replace... Um, Dude, can you imagine Microsoft's, like Microsoft having that thing? It's like they could port it to Apple, right? Just the same way that they do with Office, right? Mm-hmm. So they take... Photoshop create a package more around the two hundred dollar mark or something like that, and start selling it as a mm. Creative Studio pack that anyone can buy. Mm. Mm. You re-release it like that, man! Mm. Wow, yeah. Watch, watch people uh, watch because they they know they've got to do something. And liquidate Flash mm. and make Silverlight the predominant. Look, animation you know, tool. The worst thing is, uh, I I think Steve Jobs would go for it too. Well, look, Steve Jobs and, and Adobe have been fighting for years. Yeah, I know, but he would go with Silverlight. Yeah, I think he so. He would turn Silverlight to get rid of them. It's a hefty buy and it's a huge move, but man, if they can wipe them out. It's very political. And when you think about it, it's not just financial, it's very political because this could put Microsoft and Apple, who have basically over this last year probably talked more than they have over the last 20 years of their existence. Yeah. Um, this could really put them in friendship with each other a lot more than they have been oh, yes. uh, for a long time. Agreed. It's a very political move. Um, I'll be very interested to see if, if it happens, it's going to happen swiftly because that's how Microsoft works. Um, I think if this is going to happen, you're going to see this happen before Christmas. Yeah. It'll be a swift move and then everything will start to get rebranded. Uh, what's, our, what's our chat room saying about this? Um, um, Delta Knight says oh my god just use HTML5 (laughs) you would love that you would but I'm not sure if it would happen okay um, okay now uh, there's some talk about Dropbox so I guess we should mention this right now Josh do you want to run this Um, one uh, yes absolutely Uh, guys we are setting up at the moment you will remember back in our uh, episode where we were uh, talking I think it was two episodes ago ago. we were talking about the best apps out there and one of the ones that I said that I had found that I was enjoying using was Dropbox Dropbox uh, is an application which allows web storage but it can be accessed via iPods and iPads you can access files up to it, you can pull files down to it, you can even have local storage, um, so on and so forth. We are currently... And um, it's actually, I've got it on my desktop machines now as well. It works really well, creates a Dropbox folder on your desktop, and you just access that folder. It's really, really neat. Exactly. Um, and uh, basically what we are doing at the moment is we've set up a uh, Dropbox box, and basically this is the Geek Actually Dropbox if we come up with something nice or there is crazy awesome artwork or pictures or something we want to share with you guys, we will mention it on the show. Um, it really is really mostly for our, um, our, our live listeners as well. Exactly. When something's coming up and you, you know, we want to throw photos back and forth to each other or what have you, yeah. this is a great way of doing it. Now, the other thing we've got to mention is it's free, 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 free. Mm-hmm. Um, for the basic account, which gives you two gigs of storage. And if you join the shared Geek Actually uh, folder, what will happen is it will just appear in your Dropbox as a folder. Um, so you don't actually have to do anything special. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's really neat is if you all start sharing, so if you start sharing folders or inviting each other, you get a free 250 uh, megabyte upgrade to your well, account. I'm going to invite, I've already invited uh, Northy and I <laughs> also invite uh, Calisynth. Uh, so if you guys, when you sign up, 
through the invite that you're getting, then you know, there's increases to Josh's size, and if you Which then means invite that the size of the Dropbox, the Dropbox becomes are. bigger, and he gets 250 meg upgrades every time he gets a, one of these invites answered, up to eight gig, and so this box will just get bigger. And then when you guys go and invite people, you get the same sort of upgrades as well. So it's a great service; it's really neat. Um, and, uh, also, it's going to be really good for the live listeners because basically it will be really nice to basically be able to say, all right, guys, we've just dumped the new photos up mm. or whatever, um, and uh, we can probably set up things like if we do a live video or something like that, we can dump a small version of it Absolutely. in that box. Now, one last thing about this, though. If any files that are not kosher show up in that file, if anything that it shows up that is a bat, a com, an exe, it won't even be looked at. It will be deleted immediately so don't even bother okay so we're not even going to look at it the only thing that we want in that dropbox are things like jpeg mp3 you know whatever those sort of Mm -hmm. anything that is the harmless files all right (laughs) so also guys try and keep it a mild bit tasteful because this is a dropbox and small so if you know anything about like photo conversion where you can actually compress your photo a little bit compress down a little bit let's not go putting in 10 remember it's only a two gig Mm -hmm. box let's not go crazy on this thing okay Um, but yes, so to get access to... He says, can we share to... Minecraft files? What's a Minecraft file? Minecraft file is a game. I'm asking him about that off air. Yeah, be fine. deal, deal stay, with that. I will stay in contact with him over that. But uh, yes, uh, anyone that wants in on this, anyone that would like access to the Dropbox, just uh, mention it in the chat room. Um, I will send you a request for, you for Dropbox, and then uh, I will send you an invite to the box itself once good. you're signed up. Good, good. Uh, we, we've also looked into that. Make sure we can set it up for... Um, because what happens, what I've noticed on the desktop is if you t- drag something out of the Dropbox, it leaves the Dropbox and goes yeah. to wherever you put it. We've got to figure out a way that we can leave stuff in there, you know? Oh, there's stuff in there already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Now, uh, now that we've... Oh, hello. <coughs> Boop. Now that we've, we've got... A, it's been a few yeah. shows since you've done Yeah, I, have, I haven't hit the wrong button for a while. All right. Uh, now, this one uh, is a quick story. This is just because all I can say is it's about goddamn time. Mm-hmm. Which is that Optus Unlimited. Now, I used to be an Optus customer a long time ago. Now, I am an Optus iPhone customer, granted. Okay, but I used to be an Optus broadband cable customer when they first launched. And the reason we all, my geek friends, all of us went to them was it was an unlimited account. And we had this unlimited, super fast cable pipeline. It was fantastic. Then Singtel bought it. And they introduced what was called their acceptable user policy. And the acceptable user policy basically said that if you use more than I think it was 10 or 20% of the average user, then you basically got warning notices and shaped down and all this sort of stuff. And then they started introducing shaping. It was actually the first time we'd actually heard the term shaping, where they said, if you exceed this for the rest of the month, you'll be reduced down to it. In those days, it was 56K. And they'd say, you get reduced to 56K, you could still use it, but it would be useless, right? And restriction after restriction. And then they finally started to say, oh, you're unlimited up until a certain number of gigabytes, and then you're shaped. And you go, but that's not unlimited, right? And then in America, we've recently had Comcast is basically you sign up for the unlimited account, you get 250 gigs. That's not unlimited. If you put a cap on it, that's not unlimited. So I've been waiting for a long time for somebody to go crazy and define the term unlimited for me, you know? Well, it looks like it's finally going to happen because Optus, I left Optus, by the way, because their caps started to get ridiculous. Um, The uh, competition watchdog here in Australia is now actually taking Optus to task to define the term unlimited and basically saying that um, the they're, they're saying they're slowing broadband speeds down after customers have exceeded a download limit on an unlimited account. So uh-huh. explain that, please. 
Uh, and basically, they're saying that the unlimited plan is like selling them a Ferrari with one gear. Wow. Um, and so they want to know, uh, they want uh, this taken to a case, basically. Uh, the judge is going to hear uh, Singtel explain what all of this means. Uh, and the regula- regulatory body said throttling broadband speeds to 256 ki- kilobytes per second was more like selling a crumbling car. So this whole concept of shaping is now in debate. Now, we get shaped. We're on a huge broadband, but we are not on unlimited, but we are on a huge limit. And I don't make any uh, pretense that I'm on an unlimited account. Mm-hmm. When I bought my account, I know the limits. Um, and we do get shaped, though, if we, get, if we exceed those limits. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I'm very interested to see where this goes. Because this is going to go one of two directions. Either it's going to free this up and we're going to start getting real unlimited accounts, mm-hmm. or we're going to go back to the mean old days, mm-hmm where they start charging you excess charges. And excess charges suck. Yeah, no, that's that's not a place you want to be. The amount of horror stories I've heard of people that have accidentally hit their cap and not realized and kept flying over it. And, uh, yeah, it just gets really, 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 really scary mm, as mm. it gets much harder. Callous in the same chair. Optus had horrible caps yes i agree 100 percent um yeah no i agree and i think we're we're heading to an area here anytime you take something like this to court you run the risk of it backfiring on you yeah. uh it's like when a while ago whether you agree or disagree with the case we're not going to get into that but there was a case where they wanted to take the christian scientists at the university to court to basically say it's not a science you can't declare it a science mm. I don't know what the results of that were in the end. I didn't follow through on it. But the point of People that... got killed. Well, yeah, probably. Under the but the point of that was that, that was a really risky case. Because if you win, okay, religion is not deemed a science. And the scientists get to basically say, we're a science, you're a faith, leave it at that. However, if the Christian scientists win, it sets a precedence to say that this is science. So it's a double-edged sword here. It's a really risky endeavor. And I think this has got the same sort of potential. This has got the potential to say, yes, we have to free up unlimited accounts and get rid of shaping. But if they fail, (laughs) (laughs) if they fail, it's not not happy. So... um, Anyway, uh, yeah, look, Callison says, I wasn't happy with the seven gigabytes Optus offered. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be either. I could chew through seven gigabytes in an afternoon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that was the problem I had with them was the fact that uh, uh, I was always in the upper percentile and eventually it got to the point where I was shaping. And I thought, why am I paying excessive amounts of money for an account that just isn't big enough? for what I'm doing. And the only other cable choice at the time was Telstra. And in those days, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in those days, Telstra's offer was 500 megabytes per month on cable. We're talking cable here. 500 megabytes per month, 20 cents per meg after that. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, uh, thankfully those bad old days are gone. Um, But uh, yeah, anyway, we have some more follow-up here. This is uh, I didn't put it in the follow-up section because it's kind of a story in its own right, but I thought I would bring it up here. Uh, i got a picture here. Here's the scientist and his science dudes. Um, now, this is uh, Professor, now I'm going to get the name all wrong, Hung Nyung, I think it is, um, at uh, UTS or the uh, uh, University of Technology, Sydney. They have an Asian version of Stephen Hawking's. I was thinking Professor X, just shave his head. <laughs> and look at the coloring of the photo and everything. It looks like a movie still. Uh, anyway, so um, they have come up with a new technology, mind-controlled wheelchairs. We're continuing the mind-control theme here. Um, basically, this was really neat. It says here that um, uh, 
the problem with wheelchairs up until now has been that either they're controlled by breath or they're controlled by head movements. And for the severely disabled, that can be a bit of a problem. Um, and he said that, so their idea was if you could come up with something that was actually controlled with by the brain. Now, he said that, uh, now, where is it? There is actually uh, how this actually works, which I thought was really neat. Oh, see, I didn't have time to highlight this article. But basically, it works with... Uh, the idea of thinking about certain things. So if you actually think about... Oh, man, I can't even find out where this is now, but this is really frustrating me. But the the older technology involved wearing a baseball cap and you moved your head and it moved the wheelchair. He said that was no good. Uh, so he said that uh, with this one, it looks at certain brain waves and how to react to thoughts. This is from Sydney Morning Herald, by the way. Uh, but we don't have to look at it specifically. We look at across, uh, he says, we look across the board at what is actually happening. We look at the spectrum. We decipher the information directly. And it says here, uh, the wheelchairs are going to cost between 1000 to $3,000, depending. They're not out yet. Um, but And I cannot find the actual article where, part where it says, but basically what it's doing is like to stop the wheelchair, you just close your eyes. To make the wheelchair go forward, you think about a certain thing. To turn, you think about a certain thing. So you're basically just coming up with visual images in your head, which yeah. stimulates certain uh, brain impulses, and those brain impulses are interpreted into left, right, forward, and then to stop, you just close your eyes. That's so cool. And this really, it was a really, really neat idea, I thought. I wish I could find it. It must have been the other, because there was actually two articles about this. There was one in the... Um, there was one in um, uh, news.com.au as well, and they actually talked about it. So... Um, I printed the wrong one. But anyway, I thought that was really neat technology. And yes, I think we are tapping into the brain in ways... So when you start screaming and close your eyes, you stop. <laughs> yeah, so you don't want to close your eyes when you're running from the guy trying to attack you. <laughs> and is there like a turbo... Can you think like Mad Max and go really fast? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Now, um, the other thing we got to say here, and this is, I'm not going to recuse Shane from this because it's not really Apple. It's just an iPhone issue. There has been a known bug to come up in the iPhone. Uh, all models, as far <gasps> as I'm aware. So. Say it ain't so. It's true. I, it's to do with daylight savings. Uh, apparently, people who have... Because ah, I, I may have already seen this. Yep. The alarm not going off. Absolutely. Yes. And I can prove that because three people showed up to work late, and I would have if it wasn't for the fact that I had set two alarms because I'm worried about things. According like to this, the bug actually appeared at Daylight Savings, and it's for those who have set up a reoccurring alarm. Mm. So if you set a manual alarm, it should work fine. But if you set up a reoccurring alarm and had one set up before Daylight Savings, it doesn't matter that your clock on your phone is correct. The alarm goes off an hour off because it goes off at the original time or what it thinks is the original time. It has been admitted that it's a bug, and a patch will be coming for it soon. It's not Thank out yet. Freaking God. <laughs> yeah, no, my boss was not happy that day. And Delta Knight says, iPhone 4 is pissing me off with my alarms. Well, that would be it. So what I would suggest in the meantime, until the bug fix comes, I think one fix might be go through and delete all your alarms that you have on your phone and reset a manual alarm for each night for the moment. Mm. It's a pain, but it'll get through. <coughs> Pop Shot says, poor Apple users. <laughs> Bite me, pop shot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bite me too. I'm a PC user. That's just nasty. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I don't think this has actually got anything to do with Apple users or, or like Mac users or anything. This is an iPhone issue. iPhone is so cross-platform now that. Um, but yeah, I do know that I do know firsthand somebody who got bitten by this bug, uh, Joe from the um, coffee shop up the road. Um, yeah. His alarm was going off. He was the one who brought it to my attention, and I went, "I have no idea why it's doing that." And then the next day, I saw the article in the paper. And went, "Aha! Yeah. There it is." 
Um, I was going to go into this, and I don't know if we have time. Um, how long have we been going? 39 minutes. Uh, we'll come back to that if we have time. This was an article that was actually published on um, CNET, which is actually about the Stuxnet virus that yeah. we've been talking about over the last yeah, couple yeah, weeks. Yeah. And it's a really long article that I just wanted to go through a couple points on because it's actually the fact versus the theory yeah, yeah. on Stuxnet and what it is to what people think it might be. So I thought what we might do is we, if we don't get to this this week, uh, we might talk a little bit in the after show about it as well. But if we don't get to it this week, we might publish up these points on the website. Mm-hmm. But we'll see if we can come back to that because mm-hmm. some of it's got some very interesting information. I just wanted to get through our topic of the day really quickly. Our topic's really short today, uh, which is just a continuation of that national broadband topic that we had last week. In fact, I've called the topic of the day National Broadband Part 2 <laughs> <laughs> because uh, just a couple of things came up about it this week, which was the Tasmanians. I don't know if you guys know about this or not, but Tasmanians were refusing access to their land um, on the rollout. Um, they were basically saying, no, 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 stay off our land. We don't want you rolling that horrible, skanky fiber optic cable across our land. And it was holding things up a little bit. And they're now going to change the law. Apparently, they're going to pass a law that makes uh, the rollout of the NBN mandatory uh, because they're trying to build infrastructure. But there is an opt-out clause, which basically says that if you – basically what they're saying is now you have to tell us not to come on. Before, they had to ask permission. And that was the big issue was that they go up and say, we want to lay cable. And people say, no, I don't understand it. Go away. Right? Now – they're going to lay cable unless you actually go to them and say, I don't want cable yeah. in my, on my land. Now, there's been people who have kind of argued with it and so forth. All I can say is get over it. Let them roll the cable. This is like rolling out a phone line. You yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. It's not going to affect you. If you don't want to use the National Broadband Network, you don't have to use it. Let them roll the cable out because if nothing else, it will add value to your house mm. for selling it later because you'll at least be wired yeah. and ready to go. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, Josh, you were going to say something about it? Um, no, I was just saying it is. It's that horrible freaking and i don't want to use old person because that's unfair but it's that old mentality where it's like i don't understand it go away i know and i hate that because it's like you're standing in the way of everyone else and you don't even know what it is you're arguing about yeah exactly exactly Uh, now just uh, just to re uh, just to uh, refresh our memories because we do have some americans in our chat room and americans do listen to our podcast the nbn that we refer to as the national broadband network uh it is a nationwide $43 billion rollout of fiber optic to the house. Um, Every house in Australia over the course of the next few years is going to be hooked to the new uber-fast broadband network. Uh, It's one of the election policies that kind of held things up, all those Mm -hmm. that we were talking about. So if we do talk about NBN and we're shorthanded, it's because we're so used to hearing it as NBN. Uh, But it's, yeah, the National Broadband Network. It's something that the American government wants to do, but uh, it's a lot more expensive proposition to wire everybody to fiber in America when you've got 300 million homes, whereas here we've only got 22 million homes, uh, so it's a little bit easier to wire everybody up. So, um, But I really, I think this is the way to go. I mean, some people have said it's an antiquated technology. I'm sorry, fiber optic is still the best we got, and it has been for so long, and that's the issue, is it has been for so long. All right, uh, the other issue uh, <laughs> for the National Broadband Network uh, is that uh, semantic... And a couple of other uh, virus companies, uh, virus protection companies, are turning around saying that they think that the NBN is actually going to make Australia vulnerable to viruses because basically things in particular, things like Stuxnet, because it's one network. 
rather than having lots of different servers and, and, and so forth, this will be one centralized server, one centralized network, whole big broadband infrastructure, and it's just going to be anything that hits it will be able to propagate at such a fast rate over such a wide area that it could actually cause problems. Now, I don't know if I buy that. Does anybody else buy that? I know you're getting water. <laughs> Shane, do you buy that? No. No. <laughs> All right, so, so what would be the arguments against? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's a, you sit there and go, no, it can't be. And then you go, wait a minute. I Let just me think. Sneak past that camera. No, you, you can't. Changing no. it. No. Sorry, guys. I feel really tickly throat today, which means that I need to. Callisant says Australia is already vulnerable due to a lack of computer security knowledge. Oh, that's yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> no, I think the knowledge starts way before that. It starts with individual computer users. It's not just. Well, there is that. Yeah. yeah. Look, and I think that's the issue with the broadband network as well. I think the problem that we have in this country is not the network. The problem we have is the users. It's mm-hmm. a picnic. Problem mm-hmm. in chair, not in computer. Okay, really? it's it's. We have so many people who sit there and go, oh, but I was using my only Facebook. Or, oh, no, a better, better example. I was fixing, I've told this story before, I'm sure, where I fixed a person's computer. I got it all set up. It was all clean. I gave it to them. The next day, they said, my computer's not working. First question you ask as somebody who services computers is, what did you do? Yeah. Because that's it. I mean, it was working, and now yeah. it's not. So what did you do, right? She goes, I didn't do anything. Nothing. I was just using it. I didn't do anything. And this went on for half an hour until she said, finally, oh, there were some stray files in the uh, root directory. I didn't know what they were, so I moved them to another folder. And she effectively killed her computer by moving the control files out of where they were supposed to be. Now, her first reaction is, I did nothing. Yeah. And that's the problem. And this is where the term picnic comes from, because the problem is most people sit there and go, I didn't do anything. I only downloaded that file. Well, downloading that file is what did it. <laughs> it's like there is no such thing as only. Yeah. You know, if you, I need to know. And if the worst thing you can do, and this is a little handy hint to anybody out there, the worst thing you can do if you have a computer problem is sit there and then start jiggling with it. Start moving things around, doing stuff, changing settings. If it was working and it's not working now, don't go change the settings because it was working. The problem doesn't lie there because it was working. And all you're doing is compounding the problem so that we don't know what you've done. If you just leave it at that point, somebody who does know something about it can come in and say, okay, if it wasn't working and it was and it, it was working and now it's not, and you didn't do anything, therefore I can backtrack the problem. Mm. But if you start changing settings, all you're doing is adding more to the equation. Yeah. Fair? Oh, dude, it's like the guy that brought a computer in a couple of days ago saying it wasn't working. When he brings it to me, he says, I want it returned and sent away for uh, formatting. When he gets the computer to me, the side case falls off when I'm holding it. And I'm like, have you been inside the computer? He goes, yeah, I thought I'd see if I could find out what the problem was. <laughs> and I'm like, do you have any computer knowledge? And he's like, no. I'm like, what did you think it would be? A, like a flashing light or something? Like there'd be a button press here to fix computer? Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't work like that. To put it way, fix it, you don't know what you're doing. The average civilian... Um, has no no reason to ever open the case of their computer. Exactly. Never. Never. But that's for the civilians, you know. Uh, I mean, I open my case all the time. I'm always doing tinkering stuff in there, you know, pulling things out, putting stuff in. But that's different. Now, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Calicent says the MBN will be vulnerable to attack the same way any utility is vulnerable, but we have ways of protecting those. Absolutely. And that's the key. As long as we are careful and cautious and we know what's coming in and we are looking at making sure that we are firewalled and everything else, yeah. 
we will be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think there's any difference between our current K, our current subterranean cables coming in and then proliferating around all the nodes via fiber and copper than there is over a fiber optic network. You know, I, I don't, I don't see it. So I'm not sure what their what their problem is. I mean, if if the uh, companies like Symantec and stuff are really worried about that, well, why don't they just sell off a license to the the main server? <laughs> Because you know what, the main server probably is smart enough not to use semantic. (laughs) (laughs) Use something better. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's so many industrial strength versions that Mm. we don't buy on the retail level. I mean, they'll find something. Now, let me see if I can. I'm just scanning over this uh, news.com.au article to see if there's anything that jumps out at me that says this is why. Oh, here you go. It says here, imagine you've got an entire country on high-speed broadband. Yeah, I can imagine it. Can you imagine that? Good. You don't need a large botnet to do as much damage. Because things move faster. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's interesting. But that is going to come just as speed increases anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's just a speed increase. That's got nothing to do with the fact that it's a national broadband network. That's just speed. Anyway, they're boring me. <laughs> uh. Now, this is the last question I have for you guys on this issue, and this is all about money, because it all comes down to money. Money, money, money. It all comes down to money. Which is, Malcolm Turnbull, federal opposition uh, uh, um, technology minister. He's the person who's basically been put in charge by our federal opposition to wreck the national broadband network. Remember, that was that, yeah, that's yeah, their yeah. mantra, is yeah. to wreck everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're such babies. Anyway, he says the extraordinary cost of accessing the national broadband network will limit the number of people who choose to use it. Um, And he says that basically nobody's going to use it and therefore it's going to be a financial drain because it's going to cost too much to use. He is predicting. Are you ready? So we are talking about fiber to the house. How much are you willing to pay for fiber to the house? Oh, a lot more than I think you're going to give me the figure. He says nobody's going to pay an average of 65 to $70 a month. Hey, how much do we pay a month? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we only pay about so $79 a month. So. $79 a month? I pay more than that, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's like I sit there and go, uh, dude? Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I think yeah. we would. The average user, okay, the average user there of the go, internet. 65, we've got. Yeah. I already pay 50, 65. Yeah. This is ridiculous. The average user is going to be spending $50 a month on internet access easy. The average user is spending $50 a month on internet access and a phone line, which is another $25. That's not including 3G users either, which is like another whole lot. Damn, absolutely. I mean, I pay, look, I pay $59 for my iPhone. There you go, $75. $75? Twi- all right, $25 for Telstra. And that's the thing. You've also got to add, take into account your copper line. Right, which you're also paying for. Now, the National Broadband Network theoretically will do away with the copper lines. You're only paying once because it will carry telephony as well as data. So, therefore, we don't have to pay phone rental lines. So, in, in effect, sixty-five to seventy dollars is actually going to start saving you money. Yeah, this is the yeah, most. We've got we've got we've got a ninety-dollar <coughs> one now. We've got a hundred and one. Apparently, from Brad over in America, I think 70... 101.15 in America for your iPhone. Brad, oh my God, <laughs> my heart's going to give out. <laughs> What's your data on that, though, Brad? Are you on the unlimited data? That's probably the unlimited data, I would imagine. 
because I think I think AT&T's got unlimited or they used to have unlimited data I don't know whatever it is yeah. unlimited yeah he's on unlimited data okay look $101 for unlimited data I might even do that <laughs> <laughs> Delta Knight says pricks <laughs> oh dear uh, and Brad says he's grandfather yeah because you're grandfather because didn't AT&T recently drop all their unlimited plans on data the, yeah. the iPod iPad like two months after the iPad came out they said oh we're dropping that but if you already had it you grandfathered into it that's the way to go <laughs> Delta Knight rocks. Delta Knight says AT&T might have unlimited, but he can't connect to anything. <laughs> oh, dude, that's gold, man. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, all right. So, Turnbull, I'm sorry. I think you're an idiot. I don't think that's uh, that argument is not going to hold water in any way, shape, or form. What time is it, guys? How long have we been going on this? I think we've got time. I think we're going. All right. We're going to do... i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do our iPhone apps uh, or our pick <laughs> of the weeks, uh, which we'll get out of uh, very quickly. And then if we have any time, we might just have a look at some of these Stuxnet facts and, and figures because some of these are kind of fun. Okay. So Brad says, sad but true. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, iPhone pick of the week or general pick of the week. You can start, Josh. Me? I can start. All right, well, I've got a couple. Um, one part is something which will be used a little bit um, in conjunction with what we were talking about already. Um, I bought one called uh, Drop Text, which is an add-on to Dropbox. Drop Text allows you from the iPhone to create text uh, files, like actual TXT files. Um, you can save, load, and pull them down, and it's all integrated into the Dropbox world. So for things like reviews and so on and so forth for Dave... We can interact with things like that. So I'm writing it down. I'll get it right after the show. Yes, Drop text. Now, that one there is uh, actually a dollar twenty though. So dollar. Whoa! Well, oh, it's going to break the bank. I know. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we've got that one, and the other one that I got that I thought was pretty cool was um, a game called Sketch Nation, which basically allows you to create a first-person, uh, sorry, um, a side-scrolling shooter. Like, you know, you're uh, 1942 or whatever, um, and you draw all the pictures yourself and you can load them in and uh, create your own thing. It's very simplistic at this stage, but there's a lot of room for improvement. Is uh, that free or paid? Uh, it was free. Whether it's free still, I don't know. I got it last week. Was it it was it a fad? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And once again, we do remind people that if you have an iPhone, get FAAD, free app of the day, mm-hmm. um, because it is a really, really neat resource to have, and some really good stuff is showing up for free on that. Um, Shane, do you have – I know you were kind of throwing this at the last minute. Yeah, I, I have, uh, well, one special app that I use all the time just about. Uh, it's the IGN app. IGN uh, oh, allows, yeah, allows me to – be up to date with all the gaming news. Cool. So it's like a port. It's a portal app, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I like yeah. portal apps. Yeah. They actually run faster than the open web. Mm. It's like IMDb's app mm. is phenomenal. Very very fast. Mm. Uh, that's free. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to hit with the social gaming again, <laughs> just to make Josh's like you know head explode because I like it so much. We all know that I like to play We Rule, and uh, I play it on the iPad and on the iPhone, <laughs> and uh, I've got my wife obsessed by it too now, so she plays We Rule with me. And uh, the company that makes We Rule has just released two new ones. So if the We Rule Kingdom doesn't 
tickle your fancy, they have now released We Farm and We City, uh. and so you can so you can now build up a city or a farm depending on if that's what you want to do. And I now have all three going. So if you are a Plus user and you use any of these games, come and be my neighbor. <laughs> and they're all free. Both iPad and iPhone versions. So they're all a lot of fun. All right, so there's your app picks of the week. And I'm going to put Wii, Wii, what is it? Wii Farm and Wii City. There you go. Okay, I'll put, I'll put, the, uh, I'll put the, these in the show notes as well. All right, so let's have a look for the last five minutes of this show before we go, because we've got about five minutes or so. This was an article in CNET. Now, we don't have time. It's five pages long, and we don't have time to go through the whole thing. But just a couple of these points were very interesting, because this is actually Stuxnet fact versus theory. And just as a recap, Stuxnet is this viral worm that is uh, yeah. go- going around attacking infrastructures, and they think it's going after the uh, Iranian nuclear facility and all that sort of stuff. But let's have a look here, and it says here, uh, a theory of Stuxnet <coughs> was Stuxnet is designed to sabotage a plant or blow something up, right? The facts behind that are that it says, according to this article, says, through its analysis of the code, Symantec has figured out the intricacies of files and instructions that Stuxnet injects into the programmable logic controller commands. But Symantec doesn't have the context involving what the software is intended to do. Uh, So basically what they're saying is we know what it can do. We don't know because we don't know its target. We don't know what it's meant to do. It's It's like we know... In theory, what it can do, but we don't have any specifics. Fascinating though for those guys, though. Wouldn't it just be like the best thing you'd ever? I know. Yeah, you sit there and just analyzing this thing, Um, and then it goes on to say um, because the outcome depends on the operation and the equipment infected, which is why they don't know exactly what it's going to do because they don't know what the equipment is. Quote unquote from Semantic says we know that it says to the set. we know that it says to set this address to this value, but we don't know what, the, what that translates to in the real world. So it has the instructions, but it doesn't know how it translates. Uh, now, it says here uh, they have found the use of OXDEADF007, which is the code, or OXDEADF007, uh, to indicate uh, when a process has reached its final state. Uh, the report suggests that this may refer to dead fool or dead foot, which refers to engine failure in an airplane. Um, so, uh, so these are hints. This is why they don't know exactly what its, what its target is, but they're, they're looking at it in great detail. All right, if we jump forward, it says uh, the one theory is that the malware has already done its damage. Um, and the fact is, it says that actually could be the case. Um, it says wh- whomever is targeted uh, has simply not disclosed it publicly. Uh, say the experts. So, I mean, it's possible. It could have already delivered its payload. person never reported it, and we have no idea. Um, it says, but then again, there's also no evidence of this. There's no evidence that it has. The software has definitely been around long enough for lots of things to have happened. Uh, Microsoft learned of the Stuxnet vulnerability in early July, uh, but its research indicates that the worm was under development at least a year prior to that. Wow. Um, This has been such a long time running. Do they know where it came from? uh, Well, that's another one of these theories. Uh, We'll come back to that one. (laughs) Uh, It says here that, uh, however, according to now the Microsoft response communication, uh, sorry, it says uh, Hacking IT Security Magazine said, however, according to an article that appeared last week in Hacking IT Security Magazine, the Windows principle of vulnerability, MS10061, there's some geek speak for you, was first made public in early 
2009. This vulnerability was independently rediscovered during the investigation of the Stuxnet malware by Kaspersky Labs and reported to Microsoft in late July 2010. So this thing, people have known about this thing for a while. Um, now, uh, it says here that it's... Uh, uh, they also say uh, it, this has been doing this for almost a year. It's possible they've hit their target again and again. You know, there's no way of knowing. Now, it says here there's a theory that says the code will stop spreading on June 24th. Hey, it's my birthday. On June 24th, 2012. It's you! <laughs> it's me. The code will stop spreading on June 24th, 2012. Okay? The fact is there is a kill date encoded into the malware. Yeah. Uh, and it is designed to stop spreading on June 24th, 2012. Mm-hmm. However, infected computers will still be able to communicate via peer-to-peer connections, and machines that are configured with the wrong date and time will continue to spread the malware. So make sure you've got your date and time up to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, one theory is that the Stuxnet is what caused or contributed to the Gulf of Mexico oil spill. And the fact is, unlikely. <laughs> it says, it says uh, though Deepwater Horizons did have some Siemens PLCs systems on it, according to F-Secure, they don't think that they were infected. Uh, Stuxnet infects only critical infrastructure and systems, is another theory. Uh, their fact is, Stuxnet has infected hundreds of thousands of computers, mostly home or office PCs, not connected to industrial control systems, and only about 14 such systems, a Siemens representative told IDG News Service. So uh, there are more theories about this, but basically it's, it's hitting everything. Yeah. What it affects is a whole different thing, yeah. Yeah. but it's hitting everything, and it will continue to propagate itself if you get infected by it. So you need to, get, you need to take care of it. Wow. Because your system will send it out again. Because it's just basically bouncing from system to system to system, you know, looking for its target. Now, there was another theory here, and I seem to have lost. Where is it? The one theory, to come back to Josh's originally one. Uh, oh, yeah, it's back here. I missed it. That's why. Uh, one theory was um, who made it. Um, where is it? Uh, and I thought that was actually a very interesting one because it actually says that the theory, one theory going around, oh, I can't find it now. Where is it? It was on here. Maybe I've lost that page. There was one theory that says, is, was this made by the U.S.? Um, because there is one theory. Ah, oh, here it is. The malware was, one theory is as reads. The malware was distributed by Israel or the United States in an attempt to interfere with Iran's nuclear program. Um, now, the facts are there's no hard evidence as to who is behind the malware or even what country or, op- uh, uh, or operation was the intended target. Um, it is clear most of the infections have been in Iran, about 60% of them, uh, followed by Indonesia, about 18% of them, India, close to 10%, uh, according to Symantec. Uh, rather than establishing the target for Stuxnet, <clears throat> that statistically could merely indicate that Iran was less diligent about using security precautions. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Mm. It really doesn't come down to the fact that I think it was targeted at Iran. Mm. I think, let's face it, there are going to be countries that are less concerned about computer security, and they're the ones who are going to get hit by it. You know? mm. uh, so that's some facts and figures, theories versus facts. I don't know. Uh, I think Stuxnet's going to be around for a while, mm. at least until June 24, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll see. You know? And I, I would like to say that my birthday present... On June 24th, 2012, to all of you, will be the Stuxnet yeah. finishes. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but other than that, I think that's it. So uh, have you guys heard any other wild theories about this worm, or has that addressed all of them? 
No, this is probably the the first news I've officially heard about this. Oh, okay. Yeah. We've been covering it for a couple of weeks now. This is, uh, just to let you know, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, it's considered to be one of the first weaponized mm. viruses or yeah. worms that's happened. That's right. Shane wouldn't know. Yeah. Forget about that. We're sitting here talking about it. We're talking about it. About it. Like, do, yeah. I guess we, we should if... do the same thing about uh, for everyone in the chat room that may have just Yeah, so Jay, in, case this this your, in case this is your first episode, we'll just mm. do a quick rundown. Stuxnet worm or virus mm. is uh, a worm that is basically infecting thousands of machines all around and mm. Nobody quite knows what it does. Mm. And the theory is, one of the, the beliefs on it, the reason why they're calling it weaponized, is it looks like it is basically a key. It looks mm. like it is basically designed to affect only one thing. Mm. And it's looking for that. And when it finds it, the theory is, because it has these, these dead foot codes in it, the theory is it will melt down the infrastructure. It will basically shut down the system. Mm. So that's why a lot of people are saying, is it aimed at mm. nuclear reactors? Mm. Because if it shuts down the system, the the reactor will melt down. Mm. I mean, so they're saying it's a weaponized worm, you know, mm. and they don't know who the target is. They've analyzed it, they've pulled it apart, they've looked at it, but this thing keeps bouncing around the world and they're just waiting for something to fall out of the sky, basically, on this thing because when this thing hits and it hits its target and if it isn't protected, mm. it's going to be ugly. I like, Northey's, um, I like Northey's theory, which is that Symantec were bored and invented the Stuxnet so that everybody would buy virus protection. Oh, that's it. You know, it's funny that he goes into that. He goes there because that is an old theory that uh, did you ever think to stop and think? And this is where the conspiracy theorists get up to. If you ever stop and think, computer viruses only really became prolific when antivirus companies came into existence. <laughs> and so there is this theory, this long-standing conspiracy theory, which I don't buy into, but there is a long-standing conspiracy theory that viruses were created to sell antivirus software. Now, I don't buy into that. I think the only reason why this coincidence seems to happen is the fact that when a virus came up, a company immediately filled the void to fight the viruses that came up. Mm. Computer viruses have been around for a long time. Mm. A long yeah. time. Mm. You know, They weren't as highly recognized uh, up until things like Melissa hit, mm. but they've been around for years. You know, yeah, 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 there was computer yeah. viruses on the old Apple II mm. going way back. You know, mm. there was just no antivirus for them because mm. we'd never heard of that. Yeah. Exactly, and I remember having to download uh, DOS-based programs to remove them. Cleaners, yeah, yep. to try and clean your floppy disks. Yep. Yeah, yeah, via floppy disks. And if you remember, there was actually a program that was kicking around on uh, the original Mac, the eighty-four Max. You know, the little fish bowls, right? Yeah. Um, which actually was called the, um, I think, I want to say the Fuller Brush Man. I don't know if it was that, that one exactly, but it was one of those sort of programs. Where, no, no, no. Oh, no. I remember the program now. And this is going to be really weird that I know this, but it was the program where there was a, like a graphic of a girl laying on her back and mm. you could with the mouse pick up like dildos and stuff and play with her. And you, the little animations of her, and you tried the idea was to try and make this girl come, and all it was really yeah. stupid. Mm -hmm. But the point was, it was really clever because what happened is, if you made her come, you picked up a virus, <laughs> 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 and nobody knew it. It was the world's first STD learning program. Basically, it was, <laughs> and nobody knew it. It seems great. <laughs> Until the end. And oh, I knew all these. I didn't have a Mac in those days, but I knew all these Mac users were going, oh, check out this program. Isn't this so funny? And then in a couple of months, they're all going, my Mac's not working. I don't know what's going on with it. And it's a broken and all this. Other. And it's like, you just went that. searching around the hard drive for the program. And you're like, <laughs> and there's your problem. And you go, there you go. Um, uh, Callisus says the first computer virus was an abacus covered in smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get out of here. I think that's it. I think our time is up. I 
Don't know. Is that clear what the hell's going on with that? Dave. Oh, I think our record. I think our recording has gone funny again. Yay! Anyway, we'll check that out after the show. Anyway, the point is that I think our time is up. We're going to get out of here. If you agree, disagree, or want to put any sort of comments in, or send us story like stories like uh, our wonderful listeners have done, you can send your information to Geek Tech. Uh, now, I do have a slide for that. Where are we? There we go. Geektech at geekactually.com. That is our email line. Or or send us a voicemail at 02-8011-3167. Or you can Skype that in. Our Skype ID is geekactually. Um, and you can, you can tell us firsthand what you want to say. So there you go. Uh, we also have to... Uh, we mentioned that we have all of our new swag up on Cafe Press. And I'm going to be putting an order in this weekend because I want some new T-shirts and some cups and stuff like that. So we're going to put that in cafepress.com.au forward slash geek actually and go check out our new range of stuff follow us on our fan page facebook.com forward slash geek actually and you can follow me personally on twitter which is twitter.com forward slash david mcveigh now boys where can we find out more about you guys well dave you obviously know i have a website (laughs) really I don't know that at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, RawDLC.com, we are a gaming website. We run uh, a live show, which goes out 8 p.m. Australian da- Daylight Savings Time. For our Queensland friends, we are sorry that you showed up at the end of the show last <laughs> night. Um, we were down a little bit in users, which I've found has happened a little bit, especially at the start of shows at the moment, mm-hmm. um, just because people are still learning what time everybody's on. Yep, um, yep. But yeah, so we go out 8 p.m. on Tuesday, Australian Eastern Standard Time, now Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And we also have a website which has a whole bunch of new things. And if everything goes well, there will be a really interesting review uh, sorry, interview up next week with one of the devs from Deus Ex. Oh, cool. So that will be very cool. So we will keep you all posted on that. So make sure you're checking the Wednesday. Yeah, and remember, uh, website, we, we brush on some video game stuff every now and again here, but we're not a video game uh, uh, show. Mm. You want video game news? They're the ones to go to. Mm. All right, DLC, uh, raw DLC. No, what is it called? Yeah, raw DLC.com. <laughs> dot, no, 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 no. Raw DLC.com. There you go. There we go. That's Done. It. Just raw DLC.com. Don't get okay. too clever. Shane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if anybody wants to find me, uh, just type in Shane Robert Gregory at Facebook, or you can actually use my Xbox Live gamer tag, which is Nexus81. It actually finds me a bit faster through Facebook. Fair enough. Uh, I'm also found on uh, Raw DLC. I'm the, the tech guy. Great. And yeah. now just uh, for our audio listeners, Josh, just in case they did miss it, if they want to join our Dropbox, where do they send a request? Uh, they, well, they get in contact with either you or me, mm-hmm. and uh, we, will, we have to email yeah, um, so send, send, send us an email to geekactually, yeah. uh, sorry, geektech at geekactually.com saying that you want to be part of this Dropbox experiment yeah. and we will organize an invite for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, the only other thing I want to tell everybody is if they go to uh, the Dropbox when you're under Geek Actually and set up um, the events tab, there is an RSS you can fire up. So basically whenever we drop something new in there, you will know about Fantastic. it. I didn't know about that. Well, there so you go. I'm there learning you know. about Dropbox by, uh, daily. Exactly. So, <laughs> so. Look, it's an interesting experience, which is why the uh, which is why we're setting it up and giving it a try. Because mm. if we can uh, share files with everybody, it would be great fun. Yeah, it would be cool. And have to do it for your site, too. Exactly. Uh, mm, absolutely. Yeah. We'll set up, set up a couple of them. Okay, and we've got just one or two more things to say. First of all, we have two other, two other shows. Oh, that's gone way in the wrong direction, hasn't it? <laughs> the, 
<laughs> anyway, that graphic's gone askew. I'll have to fix that. But that's our film actually show, which goes out in about uh, 10 minutes. So stick around for that if you're live. If not, you find it on, on uh, iTunes. Uh, look for film actually. It is our kind of our flagship show at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's doing such good business. And uh, good downloads, I should say. And we also have the Geek Actually After Show, which is our after show that follows directly after film actually, which is just kind of a free-for-all. So you can check that out and find that on iTunes as well. Everything can be found at geekactually.com, including the new artwork by our good friend Josh Spencer over at attackninja.blogspot.com. He does some really good work over there as well. So, um, well, not on our site, but he did our logos. I should mm. clarify. But go see his website because he's got some great stuff. Okay, I think that's it. I think we're done. And I think... Hopefully we have an audio show. I don't know. The recording seems to have gone askew over here. We will see. If not, I can always strip the audio off the video show. <laughs> so we'll see how we go. Uh, I think that's it. You guys got anything else to add? Um, no? Yes? No? No. No, no? I'm good. No, oh, in I'm that good. case. Thank you, everyone, for showing up. I need more coffee. Yeah, me too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, chat room. You guys are always the best. Stick around for our film show coming up. Thank you, Shane, for coming back. Uh, in our film show coming up, we're doing Buried. Uh, so stick around for that. And in the meantime, go and have yourself a great day playing with your computer. Because that's what I'm going to do after I finish the show. <laughs> <laughs> <For sure. laughs> All right. All bye right, now. Guys. Bye. bye.